and scholars. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. My name is Nicoletta, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am really excited to welcome Nikki Paris, um, a comic to watch by the Huffington Post. He is an Italian-American stand-up comedian whose career began in New York City at the ripe age of 17. Nikki's standout and electrifying comedy has earned praises from multiple media outlets and publications, such as Entertainment Tonight, Forbes, LA Times, Us Weekly, TMZ, People Magazine, and more. Uh, not only is he one of comedy's biggest budding LGBTQ standout acts, he's breaking down the barriers as a universal rising force in stand-up comedy. He is the new host of this season of LATV's The Zoo and is also the host of the hit Daddy Issues podcast. Oh, can't wait to talk about that. With Dean McDermott and Adam Hunter. Nikki recently performed on the first LGBTQ stand-up showcase at RuPaul's Drag Con in both LA and New York City. And after performing in TBS's New York Comedy Festival last year. Nikki most recently headlined at the legendary Caroline's on Broadway, probably before COVID, as part of the Breakout uh, Artist Series. Welcome, Nikki. Hi. Is it normal that I, I fell asleep during my own bio? Is, does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was already the cut down version, so maybe you need to make a shorter one. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking maybe just, I don't know, three chapters as opposed to the 19 that I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't fall asleep because I had to read, but maybe if I had been listening, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to operate heavy machinery after reading my own bio. I'll tell you that. Okay. Well, as somebody who also enjoys making fun of myself, though, I'm yeah. so curious how it is for you to do that. Basically, because something I'm studying in school right now, don't worry, I won't get too much into school and be even more boring than your bio, um, is something called minority <laughs> stress theory, which is basically... If you exist in a minority population, such as being lesbian, gay, bisexual, um, especially with the intersection of being a person of color, you basically have to deal with a lot more shit during your day, which can be exhausting because of systemic racism, blah, blah, blah. But basically in dealing with that, like, how do you deal with making fun of yourself and like being cool with it? Well, you know, I, I'm pretty ridiculous, Nicoletta. And to be honest with you, the way I behave, it, it really is like a, an animal that was let loose from the Bronx Zoo and onto the streets. So I feel like I have to laugh about it and, and make fun. Or really, I just, I'm missing out on a lot of great opportunities. I mean, I really am a ridiculous person. Every single day of my life, it's exhausting to be me. And sometimes I fantasize. I'm like, what would it be like to just be like an Amish person that just sells jam? and crackers on the side of the road in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And that's actually my biggest fantasy. I just want to pet some goats and maybe touch some udders and ride my wooden scooter up and down the road. That's who I'm going to be in my next life. Don't worry, well, I'll send you a postcard. <laughs> you're picking quite a like profession that's like in the spotlight for someone who wants to be an Amish jam seller. Yeah, and, well, that's my next life. And this, in this oh, life, I'm very okay. intent. Yeah, and my next life, I'm going to be very simple, Nicoletta. I'm not going to be as high maintenance as I am in this life. Um, my next life, yeah, I'm just going to, like I said, make bread and jam and maybe 
you know, just <laughs> scream out Jebediah in the bedroom. You can still scream out Jebediah. I wouldn't like to. Not 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 in this life. That's okay, the next so what, one. What are the things that you like to scream out during sex then? Uh, are you close? <laughs> <laughs> That's are my favorite close? thing. <laughs> I, I wish I was lying to you, Nicoletta. Um, I, I'm one of those people that I love to have sex for about, you know, roughly 90 to 95 seconds. Um, and that's because I I think I have intimacy issues. And, um, you know, I, I was on a date last night, which is probably really controversial to say during these COVID times. But um, I give a lot of mixed sim- signals and I have a lot of walls up. So I, I know you do family therapy, but if you're looking to take the oldest child in that family dynamic, I'd be interested. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I I'm trying to date every time I go, Nicoletta, every time I try and go on a date, I'm like, Oh my God, I like really want to be in love. I really want somebody to watch a lifetime movie with. And then after I go on a date, I'm like, you know what? I really just want to be alone. Is that normal? I think there's always a balance, right? Like, well, first the thing that I would talk about is like, you said you only want to have sex for 90 seconds. What kind of sex uh, are we talking about? Very vanilla. The reason I'm asking is because. I know a lot of people who don't want to have like penetration for long periods of time. So something I talk a lot about on this podcast is like redefining sex. So like if sex is watching a lifetime movie for you, like that's cool with me. Yeah, it, it's cool for me. Unfortunately, it, it's not cool with everyone that wants to date me. So unfortunately, I've had to, you know, I'm just very, I'm very Catholic and I'm very boring and I'm very vanilla. Like sometimes I like to make out with people, Nicoletta, and I don't even like to use tongue. I don't know where your tongue has been. And um, it just freaks me out a little bit. I love to kiss like a fish, just lips. Don't even think about putting your tongue in my mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, tell, me about, about, tell me about I have the a lot Catholic of stuff. Uh, so I just, I have the Catholic guilt. Like growing up, like I didn't even know what sex was. Like I thought sex was rolling around on top of each other naked. And like the day in living environment, I was in seventh grade and we watched a sex ed video. I didn't realize that like different body parts went into other body parts. And I was horrified. I really was like, this is disgusting. So it's been a battle ever since then, you know, growing up, my parents never talked to me about sex ever. Um, I thought a blowjob is getting your hair done at the hair salon in the in the little <laughs> machines. So I, I've done a lot of a, a lot of learning, and um, yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know what my big issue is with sex. I, every sex podcast I do, it, it, it's very interesting because you know I, I'm really broken, but I'm together, and I just don't like to be vulnerable, and I don't like sweat, and you know, like I just feel like once sex is over, I'm like, ugh, get off me. Like I'm one of those people. Like I would love to you know, maybe be married and live in a, a huge mansion and have two separate beds, you know, especially if, if you snore, like don't come anywhere near me. <laughs> I actually have a friend who has two separate beds with their partner. And, and I honestly think it's kind of a great idea. I mean, it does sound like maybe there's like other stuff to work through in terms of intimacy things, but like, I think wanting to have a separate bed is pretty crucial. <laughs> especially if the other person drools, like I don't need to wake up in Lake Erie. So you, you know, <laughs> you have your bedroom, I'll have mine, and I'm going to get my eight hours because sometimes I look a little tired and I'm aging very quickly. So I don't want to look more tired than I have to be, Nicoletta. Well, see, I like to sleep with this giant like pregnancy body pillow and there's really like no room for my partner and I'm okay with that. Wait, like the big noodle things? Yeah, it's like a full U-shape like, yeah, noodle, I guess is the best way to describe it. And so it goes like 
under my neck, in front of me, between my legs, and behind my back. And there's just, like, no room for you. <laughs> wow. And now, like, the... I mean, so, so that's a good way. That's a good way for you to keep people away from you. Yeah, I know. I need to get myself a noodle. Now, let me ask you this: So, has there been a situation where, like, somebody has been trying to like cuddle up with you, and like the pillow has been in the way, and you refuse to move it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> would you mind walking me through that situation? Because I always wondered how that would go. <laughs> okay. Now, look. I, I everyone likes to cuddle in a different, uh, and I think in a different way. And so, yeah. some people have a lot of what's called skin hunger. So skin hunger is like one's level of desire to be touchy with another person mm -hmm. and other people have less skin hunger. And so, um, I definitely consider myself like having a lot of skin hunger, but if I'm in that space where I'm trying to go to sleep, I don't want to cuddle with you. I want to like get comfortable in my space. So if someone's trying to like touch up on me while I'm trying to fall asleep, then I'm definitely going to choose the pillow. And you're lucky because I feel like being gay, sometimes you have to be the big spoon, sometimes you have to be the little spoon. Like, you know what I mean? If you ate a big dinner, I'm not so sure that I want, you know, your body on my arm because then I'm going to, it feels like it's going to fall off and then it's 3 a.m. and I'm stuck there until 7 a.m. And I'm like, do I have to amputate it in the morning? Like, that's the worst to me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I guess that's a good metaphor for like when you're dating, talking about like if someone's a bottom or not or a true bottom or not, like, I would love to know how those conversations go in your uh, dating app discussions. Uh, it usually goes with who's paying for dinner. Okay. And, and then, then who's paying for dinner is what? the? Usually dinner at the Cheesecake Factory. I'll probably have a nice appetizer <laughs> and then, you know, maybe an entree or two. Yeah, you heard me too. And then a cheesecake. And then depending on if I enjoyed myself, I'll want to... Um, I'll see if I want to have sex with the person. It depends. I think it depends on the energy and it depends on, on the chemistry. Um, and I can be very moody. My emotions are all over the place and I'd like to carry that into my dating history. I'm very hard to date. Um, Nicolette, it's, you caught me at 12 o'clock on a Sunday, so I'm very emotional and open <laughs> today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about the first time I saw this lady with Harry, Harry Areolas. I'm going to tell you everything that, that scarred me and I will send you a copay when we're done with this interview. I want to let you know that. <laughs> I don't even Thank think you. I'm Thank answering you. your questions. That. I just I don't know if I'm even answering your questions. I think I'm just walking you walking you through different traumas that I've had in my life. And uh, one time there was a dog, it was a golden retriever that attacked me um, when I was eight. Um, and ever since then, I've always been sexually attracted to blondes. So <laughs> where where do you think you know that what, comes though? from? <laughs> I'm happy for this to be a trauma outlet for you and to everyone to just witness and listen. I feel honored and what a yeah, great an thing that I got you in this vulnerable 12 o'clock on a Sunday. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're kidding about the golden retriever thing. And if you're not, like, I'm not. It, honestly, it makes sense because there's crazy shit that happens to people when they're like getting turned on during their adolescence and then they start relating that stuff to their like later sexuality so like i had a client um that was super into feet and like for me like not that it matters what you're into but some people are curious like where things come from um and so it turned out that this person had a teacher 
who, when they were in, like, whatever grade and getting, like, random boners in class, this teacher would be, like, walking around the room with their, you know, like, whatever stilettos on with these beautifully manicured feet and to, like, avoid eye contact and, like, cover their boner with a book, this kid would, like, look down and end up, like, seeing this teacher's feet um, while they were getting this random boner. And then they started, like, associating the this boner with feet. You know what? I thought I had issues, and you know, and I thank you for teaching me that maybe I'm not as fucked up as I thought. That that's interesting. <laughs> that I first of all, I feel a lot better about my own issues now. Yeah, I mean that that's interesting. That NRBs, no reason boners are the worst. I mean, I remember those days when you used to have like a boner in school, and then like the bell would ring and you couldn't get up, and the teacher would be like, "Why are you here at six o'clock?" And I'm like, "I can't get up." So I just love school. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I just have a heart on for education, truthfully. Um, George Washington's legacy really gets the blood pumping. No, I, I um yeah, I was attacked by a golden retriever. I'm not really always into blondes. It depends. Um although I do, I would like to date somebody who looked like they've been on a Hollister bag. Um that's just my own my own fantasy in my own little world. I do like blondes. That's like based on like being a 13-year-old at the mall days. <gasps> right? When your parents would drop you off and they'd be like, I'll pick you up at nine. And you'd be like, all right. And, and you're your like, mom's... I'm just going to loiter here. Yeah, it's like, leave me alone. I'm just hanging out with my friends at Applebee's. Give me some goddamn privacy. See, I really liked CPK. And then the mall near my house had a skate park within walking distance. <gasps> so I would tell my mom that I wanted to go to the mall with my friends. But then we would run to the skate park to talk to boys. Wow. I mean, that's like a rocket power fantasy right there. Look at you. Yes, we're riders on a mission. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of trauma, yeah. um, let's just fucking dive into it. Um, so I feel like a lot of the things that you talk about in your comedy could be trauma related and not just yours. Like you speak about a lot of like, I guess what some people would say, quote unquote, edgy. So we're talking like racism. We're talking sexism. We're talking homophobia. We're talking... Um, accessibility stuff and disability like and I know that your family comes to your shows and you talk shit on your family what's that like honestly it, it's really horrible Nicoletta truthfully because I I really have I, I, I should wear a muzzle at all times and my family is very supportive and uh, yeah I, I did a really big show at the end of last year I, I, I fly back and forth to New York and when I fly back I usually have a big show there so everybody in my family wants to come and uh, my mom invited like cousins that like we don't even I, I haven't seen since I was like eight they haven't even seen me with an Adam's apple now you have to come see me do stand up so you know she invited all these people that I haven't seen since my childhood and you know it's it's a very edgy what fun act. Like I say edgy just to like be humble. It's you're on the edge of your seat and you're welcome. I don't, I think I should charge more for the tickets truthfully, but it's awkward to like fucking sit there. And then after be like, Oh my God, Aunt Marie, what did you think of the fisting material? So it, it <laughs> you know, it's like that type of thing. I was supposed to, before all this COVID happened, I was supposed to play uh, a, a big theater in Staten Island, which is my hometown. And uh, my, mm -hmm. my mom was like, grandma's coming. And I was like, Oh, she was like, she, you know, my grandpa just died. She was like, she's all alone. She needs a laugh. I was like, yeah, I, I bet she needs a laugh. I don't know if she'll get one from me. I think she'll be thinking, <laughs> why didn't I swallow after I got that telegram? I don't, something, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> they would have never, they, she would have broke the family tree right then and there if she could have saw. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm just one of those people, like I talk about a lot of, 
crazy things and I think you don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. But it's all comedy. It's all good sport. And, you know, my goal every time you come and see me perform is that if you're going through, you know, a problem with this or you're struggling with that, you come to see me and you forget about that problem for a little bit mm-hmm. and you're taken away and you want to laugh. So I feel like those are the comedians that I would buy a ticket to. Um, and it's just an escape and it's fun. And it's being in the moment. And if you take anything that I say, seriously, you're an idiot. Is it an escape for you too, though? Cause oh, I'm guessing you have to like come up with a lot of personal stuff and like get into your trauma to be like, this would be a great joke to talk about how I got attacked by a golden retriever. And now I like blondes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just made that up. I was really attacked by a golden retriever, but I, I made that up on the spot. But I, I really should write that down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so some of the comedy is like based in fiction, but also no. some of it is real. <laughs> for the most part, it, it's pretty real. For the for the most part. But sometimes I'll think of something like funny on the spot. But yeah, I'm like Judy Bloom. I just like try and write every day. And yeah, it really is like looking at yourself um through the comedic lens. I'm like, okay. That's the exciting thing about being a comedian because you could take the things that upset you and the things that have hurt you and the things that, you know, you find troubling and you can make it into art and you can make it funny. And no matter what happens to me, I always find a way to make it funny. And it's been, you know, my secrets of getting through life. And at first, I think that my parents were, uh, you know, they're very conservative Catholic uh, people. And, you know, my mom is like, you want to be a comedian? What do you mean? Are are you kidding? And then now that I think that, you know, I've had some successes, they're like my biggest fans. Now she thinks she's Dina Lohan. She sees the money coming in and she's like, oh, it's it's, now they now they hear the cash register opening and closing. So they're very supportive. But um, (laughs) which is nice, (laughs) truthfully. If nice that you're getting paid family, or nice that they're finally being supportive. Yeah, if my family wants a helicopter, I'm probably the quickest way they'll get to one, so they better be nice. Has it, So it sounds like it has been therapeutic for you oh, to like, make jokes about Nicoletta, everything. What do you think? I literally, like, I live to be on stage. Like, I'm one, even now, like, I'm doing, like, five to six virtual shows a week. And, like, doing Zoom comedy shows. Like, I just love to be in front of people, and I, I love that connection. And just seeing how many people you make happy it, it's it's i it's the greatest thing in the world and i i wouldn't trade it literally for anything so i i i'm very lucky okay you asked me about intimacy stuff and let's fl- let's flip the script let's pretend let's pretend you're the therapist okay so if somebody came into your office and said that they were struggling with intimacy but really enjoyed making people happy and that like was sort of their like reason of being. What would you say to them? Um, if somebody said that they enjoy ple- they enjoy making people have a day of intimacy issues, I think I would probably say with my hypothetical master's degree in psychology. Yes, doctor, doctor Nikki. Right, doctor Nikki P in the house. Um, I went to the Doctor Dre Academy of Medicine um, and Music. I would say that, you know, maybe they need to have somebody focus more on them and give them pleasure instead of the other way around. Ooh, okay, Dr. Nikki. This doesn't apply to me. We're talking about a a normal civilian. So I think that would be the advice that I'd give them. For me, even when somebody pleases me, then it's just like, ugh, I feel like I owe them something. Um, which is, you know, that's the Italian to me. My dad's like, don't take money from anybody. Don't borrow money. You don't want to owe anybody anything. I carry that into sex too. 
Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That it sounds like you're so good at being a people pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. Just not in the bedroom. I'm telling you, I'm really not a lot of fun in bed. And I really would like to be, I mean, part of me is like, wow, I wish I was more fun. And then part of me is like, you know, I'm, I I don't want to be, and I, I get, I get away with it. So why change? You know, there's been times where I've just been, I've, I was infamous for blue balling Nicoletta. Oh, that is a personal favorite pastime of mine. And I hope that doesn't change your opinion of me. I, uh, I, well, at least people remember you. Yeah. Ex- yeah. One guy screamed. One guy was like, I can't believe this. I was like, my arm's tired. So that's that's fun for me. And especially if somebody gets upset in the middle, that only makes it even more worthwhile. Yeah, there's been times where we've been in like the heat in the moment and I've just lost interest. And then anybody else would finish it through, but not me. Because I come from a working class family. I'm like, I need to save this energy. And I'm not wasting No, but it. you know what? Fuck, fuck all that noise. I feel like... Okay, yes, it can be physically frustrating if you're wanting to have an orgasm and you can't or you're not or it's just not happening or whatever. But, like, this whole fucking concept of, like, blue balls is so fucking rapey to me. Like, this idea that, like, what if you do get out of the mood? You're trying to tell me that, like, you should force yourself to, like, continue. I mean, it sounds like you're in it for more, like, a sadistic reason because you're like I like seeing you like be pissed off and that's bringing you some pleasure (laughs) but like there's this other part of it that's like who the like if I'm out of the mood all of a sudden I get to say you know what I'm done please you know take responsibility for your own pleasure and I'll be here honestly a fucking man first of all and it's just you know I don't now, now looking back, like I feel bad, but like I'm just being honest with you. Like, there's been a, a handful of times where I've just been like, I, I'm tapping out. There was one time in college, I was hooking up with this guy in about, I don't know, five milliseconds in. I was like, mm, I'm over this. And then he was just like, Do you mind if I like still jerk off? And I was like, Of course. So I laid there like a model, and he just jerked off. I didn't even have to lift a finger. And Nicoletta, when my life flashes before my eyes, that moment will be in there because it was such a proud moment for me, where I was like, I don't Yes, even have to, I, I love that. I'm, and they were down, and it was like fine. Oh, they. I, they <laughs> I hope I looked good, but they were like, they just wanted to, you know, get off while looking at me, and I just laid there like a model, and I was biting my nails and you know, complaining as usual. And um, it really worked in my favor. So I, I actually think I think my, I'm going to sing a different tune. I think I'm a sexual pioneer. Do the bare minimum. Do the bare minimum. See what you could get away with. Let me inspire you. Say this is the bare minimum of what I'm going to do. Next time I'm going to do even less and just get away with it. Nikki, I think you. I think you just need to be like a really strict dom. Oh. Like you literally just sit there and you get people who like to, who get off on being humiliated and you just make fun of them and talk shit to them and tell them what to do while they look at you and praise you at your fucking feet. Yeah, but I don't know. I wouldn't be able to to do that though. Like diminish somebody. I'm not. I'm not into that at all. I'm, especially in the bedroom. What like, do you mean? Isn't that your whole comedy routine? Yeah, but that's. <laughs> how dare you? I'm a celebrated entertainer like Julie Andrews. I um no. I it's just it's different in in the bedroom. Like I just feel like being dumb and like all that stuff. I'm not really. You know what? My I. I I feel like such a freak, Nicoletta. I feel like we have this connection and, and this new friendship via, via, you know, this podcast. And I, I'm trying to, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't have sexual desires like I do in the way, like sex doesn't fulfill me, like in a weird way. Like I feel like my happiness and my, you know, what gets me off 
closing a really big deal or like knowing that I have a really exciting project going on or something artistic, that's where my happiness comes from. And I don't give men or sex the power to influence me in that way. Sex, I think, is common. And, you know, like every anybody could have sex and anybody could do this and that. I, I don't have those desires and needs like everybody to the extent that I think normal people do. Well, there are people who identify as like gray sexual, which is like somewhere on the spectrum of asexual where like sex is just not really a thing that's as like desired. Yeah. I wouldn't so say I'm asexual. I don't know. That's a possibility. I would say that I, I just, I have a lot of rules. Like I do. Like if we're mm-hmm. going to have sex, I don't even think about touching my hair. Like I just feel like, first of all, like brush your teeth. Like, I hate when people, like, when you sleep over and they try to kiss you first thing in the morning. Like, first of all, would you would you kiss Jennifer Lopez without brushing your teeth in the morning? No? Then don't fucking kiss me. So I like to carry some of those attitudes into into the bedroom. Is it shocking that I've been single for 27 years? But I, ha- I do have a lot of men that, like... So you're a- Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> I, that's what I like to think in my head. But, like, I have a guy, you know, I, I told you I went on this date last night, and hopefully he'll never listen to this podcast. And, uh, but he's, like, you know... I, there was a lot of rules as usual. Like he was just like, he put his tongue in my ear. I was like, can you not? That's fucking gross. Like get your, get your tongue out of my ear. Like, and then I, then I needed the Q-tip to clear it out. Cause the Corona of it all. And um, yeah, he's obsessed with me. And I think it's, I think some men like, be, he's like, I can't get a read on you. He was like, you really are mysterious. And that, I was like, yeah, I, I am. And you know, was I enjoying myself? Yeah, for, for a, a portion. And the other portion was like, I, I want to go home. Um, because I, I just like to be alone. I, I really am such a, I really enjoy my time with myself in my mirror. That's my best friend. Go best friend. That's my best friend. I mean, if you do get off on like closing a good deal, have you heard of like sex magic practices? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that where you like sit on a magic wand? <laughs> no, but you can definitely do that. Is that I where guess, you masturbate while wearing wide a hat? <laughs> no, but you can also definitely do that. And I really like these ideas. Keep them coming. Magical sex. I'm going to sit on a crystal balls. Uh, like I said, as long as the base is wider than whatever you're putting in your ass, I fully support you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> unless you, unless you're, ex- unless you want to go to the ER during quarantine to get a crystal ball fished out of your butt. <laughs> no. 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 That would make for some really good material, though. Would it? <laughs> Why well, I was admitted to the, the psych ward during the pandemic? No, 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 no. It would be, it would be, you know, you'd be fine. Nicola, I, I hope this isn't like, I hope this is helpful. This interview, I know I'm all over the place today, but that's what happens on Sundays. This is the Lord's Day, and I'm just shining my honesty in the way that Jesus would want me to. How, yeah, how is that for you? The, it sounds like you're kind of in the post-Catholic life, or are you still Catholic? I'm still Catholic. Nobody in my family ever really took it seriously except me. I look at it this way. You know, if, it, if we all die tomorrow and we get to heaven and it turns out everything was real, I'm just saying, I just want to make sure I'm safe. I don't really go to church. I practice, you know, I pray and think of God on my own time you know, because I could be selfish. So I, you know, I'll really just like pray or think about God from like my studio apartment in Hollywood, but I'm not going to church or anything like that. So God forbid I get to the gates tomorrow is all real. I'll be like, oh good, I'm covered. Cause you know, I don't, I don't think I could go to hell because I, I get very moody in the heat. Um, and I'm a sweater. So I need to just make sure I'm in heaven where there's air conditioning. 
Yes, in the Bible, I, I think I did read somewhere that um, that's sort of the criteria is if you're averse to the heat, um, that you'll go to heaven. Yeah, please, please. And I, I'd really like to. Um, I'd really like. I think it's know, in the Old Testament. See Joan Rivers and Judy Garland, and um, yeah, I think that would. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I really do hope I, I get to heaven because white's a good color on me, and darks don't always go well with my complexion. Oh shoot! I forgot we were talking about sex magic, and then I got distracted by crystal balls in your. Oh, bubble. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm like Raven but... Simone. I'm that's a Raven. I'll just take you to any <laughs> cosmic place I can take you. Um, okay, so sex magic is basically this practice that people do where they sort of use their pleasure powers to um, manifest or like create stuff that they want. So like instead of thinking about or fantasizing about another person while you're self-pleasuring, you like think about a goal or something that you want to manifest. So like what's a goal that you have in comedy? Um, I would really like to be a talk show host. A talk show host. Like okay. a morning talk so like, show host. Like Kathy Lee and Hoda minus all the wine. Because I Okay. Mornings with Nikki. Yes. Okay. So next time you self-pleasure or masturbate, I want you to like try to come to the idea of like being your own talk show host. So not Justin Bieber's Instagram. Switch it up. Well, look, I'm not telling you what to fantasize about. If you're in the mood for Justin Bieber, like do Justin Bieber. I have but Bieber like, fever. <laughs> but like sex magic is like this practice of like creating power through like your sexual energy. So instead of being like, oh, I'm going to fantasize about Bieber, you're like, it is so fucking hot that I'm going to be this like sex talk show host. And you're just like so turned by the idea of your success. I, I, I'm definitely going to try that. And I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to let me know how it goes. <laughs> I'm going to clean up instead of a wash rag. I'm going to use my Louis Vuitton scarf. So just wait. <laughs> to come into you mean or wipe up <laughs> either one i'll keep you guessing but i'll, I'll circle back and I'll, I'll let you know do you believe in witchcraft like do you think that's real how do you define witchcraft i don't know i just have a friend who i'm very close with and she thinks she's a witch all of a sudden and she's like i can make anything happen i'm like anything but your acting career <clears throat> i i mean I'm definitely kind of a witchy person, which some of my listeners scoff at. So I try not to talk about it too much on the podcast. Really? But I also really like this meme that I saw that says, um, maybe you manifested it. Maybe it's white privilege. Ah, that's hilarious. I mean, my experience with witchcraft is when I saw the Tony winning musical Wicked. And if witchcraft is anything like that, you have my support. That's magical. <laughs> I just thank you. And I'd like to thank Stephen Holtzman or Stephen, whatever the composer was. Great job. But yeah, I'm 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 okay, very but, fascinated by witch. I feel like I'm coming into contact with a lot of witches lately. Um which, It does seem to be in. Yeah, it's definitely an LA thing because I'm from Staten Island, New York, and we have, you know, Guidos and Mafia members and drug. Oh addicts. come on, you're so close to the Long Island medium. T Teresa, don't I I mean that hair. I, I really I, I would love if she came back with a hat. But I, I love her, and I love that she's like, who here died from the heart? Who here had a father? Who here had a mother? Your mother wanted me to tell you that she loves you very much, and she's playing poker in heaven. It's like, all right, Teresa. <laughs> she's, like, describing every Italian-American family. <laughs> Literally, exactly. She's like, who here, whose father talked with their hands? And everyone is like, me, Teresa, me, me, me. She's like, all right. <laughs> 
Whose father loved the antipasta? We're like, Teresa, it's all of us. Jesus Christ. Okay, so we got definitely sidetracked, but in a really good way. But I do want to come back to like your your career and all the awesome stuff you're doing. Sure. I mean, even though this is like a very like in vivo example, I think of your of your comedy. Um, but something that you talk a lot about is like being gay in the world of comedy. Um, and I read an interview that you did too, where it was like, you know, I don't want to be like, I'm a comedian who happens to be gay. And because you are, this is something that's talked about. So like, are you tired of getting asked about what it's like to be gay in the world of comedy? No, because I think people will always wonder. And I think that it's still a very timely and appropriate question because there really still hasn't been a breakout gay male comedy superstar like there's been an Ellen or a Wanda Sykes. I Sykes, I think that there's still hasn't been that for a gay man. So And why um, do you think that is? I I I truthfully I don't I don't know why why that is. I think that it may be because a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people think of um entertainment audiences as New York and LA, but really there's the whole middle of the country. And I'm not sure, you know, a lot of like the middle of the country is still very open minded to hearing a gay perspective. Um, So just some good old fashioned heterosexism then? I've always wanted to just be a comedian and not really a gay comedian. Like I'm a comedian because I'm funny, not because I'm gay. And so what are some barriers to being a gay man in the comedy scene? Uh, One thing that really upset me one time is I was playing a club in Atlantic City and I had all my beautiful best friends and girlfriends come. And I mean, I, I was just and grandma. <laughs> grandma wasn't invited. She didn't even know I was doing stand up yet. I was still mad. I still managed to hold that secret at that point. And one booker said to me, he was like, you know, he was like, I, I you know, I only book you because you bring really hot girls to the, to the shows. Right. And that's something that like really upset me. So there's like dumb shit like that. I feel like, um, but for the most part, I, I it's been really great and it's been really rewarding. And I think that comedy, especially stand up, is one of those things that, you know, I think that if you're funny and you're funny and you're so undeniably good, there's really, if you put in the work and the time, then you're going to get where you need to go. So I think it's different for everybody. But it's been, you know, I'm one of those people, I don't have a goal like, oh, I want to be famous. Like, I look at it truly as an artist. And there's an artistry to doing stand-up and being a comedian. And uh, what excites me is that every year I get older and I have more life experience and a more, you know, defined viewpoint of the world. And I'm just excited to get old because I know that my comedy is going to be 25,000 fold what it is now as I experience and grow more. How do you stay motivated when it's such a like constant hustle? Uh, unfortunately I'm like a machine. So I literally like go to bed at night and I hear a clock ticking every single day of my life. So, uh, I wish that's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure and I put a lot of pressure on myself, but I think that, you know, this is what I was put on this earth to do. And this is my destiny and everyone else is going to get married and have kids and, you know, have the dog. And I'm not going to necessarily have that. I think that God has different plans for me. And it's, it's a calling. I think that I was chosen to do this. And I think that a lot of people in my field, I think some of the best ones, it's, it's a calling. You know, that's why you're playing fucking Idaho at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night. You know what I mean? Wherever you're touring, it's your love for the game. And I definitely have a respect and admiration for the craft. I think that's something I talk to a lot of my like creative clients about is like, 
knowing that any creative field is something that could be feast or famine and how hard you work is not always going to be highlighted in the outcome. Like, do you love this enough to do it even when like there's no one really listening? And a hundred percent. And like, there's, I'll take every gig. Like I've done casinos, um, theaters. Yeah, you came on this shitty podcast. I've been, no, I, I, I'm really excited to, <laughs> to be kidding. on here. And I, I hope I wasn't <laughs> all over the place. I'm telling you, I should have had two cups of coffee. I hope I gave you what you needed. But no, I, I okay. Let me put on my let me put on my therapist hat for a second. <laughs> I am I love and I'm fine and welcome people showing up with like whoever they are, however they are, and whatever state of mind they are. So there's like no apology needed to just like be in you during a fucking pandemic on a Sunday midday. That's right. And you know what? Me, Nicoletta and Nikki Paris, we're like Nikki squared. So watch out. Don't, don't cross us. But, um, <laughs> yes, I, I think that like, especially like I will take any gig. Like you could literally call me but even now with the virtual shows, like people will be like, Hey, do you want to jump on my show in 10 minutes? Even if there's 10 people there, as long as I get something out of it and I have a goal for myself, as long as I hold myself accountable tonight, I'm going to get on this virtual comedy show. There's going to be seven and a half people. And you know what? I'm going to work on this bit and I'm going to make sure maybe I'll do the punchline. The delivery on the punchline will be different this way, or maybe I'll shorten the setup. As long as you're responsible and you hold yourself accountable as an artist and a comedian, I think that every single show you do is beneficial as long as you get something out of it. I mean, that's a good way to look at it. And I imagine that like keeps you going and it's, but it's hard to stay in that spot. So like I read somewhere that you haven't been received as well as you thought you would be from other queer folks in the comedy community. And I wonder like, yeah, how do you deal with like the haters and, and keep going? I'm a very warm person and I just feel like the gay, some of the gay comedians, maybe some of them who were on the scene before me when I first started, you know, weren't always as welcoming and more competitive than I would have liked them to be. So I think that what I said when I did this interview is that, you know, when it comes to the next generation of gay comedians that I know on the scene who come after me, that I always wanted to make a point to just be like a community. And, you know, there is Danny Francesi, who, you know, is an amazing comic and he played Damien in Mean Girls, the movie, is one of my best friends. And he does this whole show out here called uh, The House of Francesi, where he does a rainbow spotlight and features different gay comedians. And I've been, you know, super involved with helping him build that. So I think that. So the scene is changing a bit. I think the scene is changing a bit. Um, and I think that you know, we're all really broken and damaged and we need, we need to be here for each other. That is a, I talked about this, um, on a previous podcast with a, another guest, Sid Wilder. And we were just talking about how like most comedians that we know are all dealing with some serious stuff and like really using comedy as a way to like process their, their things like their daddy issues. And I would love to hear about your podcast, <laughs> daddy issues. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's the most powerful tool in the world. Because you could take anything. I'm telling you, there's been situations where anything, can, where things have happened, and I'll, I'll find a way to laugh at it literally within seconds. Literally with, within seconds. And um, I, I'm just so thankful. I mean, it, it's, it, there's a lot of pressure, and it's, it's definitely a hard life, but I think it's the most rewarding thing in the world. But let's talk about daddy yeah. issues, because that's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Okay, what are your daddy issues? Um, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Daddy issues is just the name of the podcast. So the reason why we called it Daddy, oh, I know, I don't really. You're killing I'm me. I'm sorry. 
But I love we love daddies on this but podcast. I'm so, I, I like daddies too. I think they're really attractive. But I also I'm, I think in the back of my head, my poor father has to see me on the news talking about daddy issues. So I don't want to make it too much harder for him. Um, and the podcast has been it's been crazy. It's called Daddy Issues. It's with me, Dean McDermott, and Adam Hunter, and it's about a year old. And it's been it literally has been crazy. It's been all over the tabloids, all over the news. We were on like different entertainment tonight and KCLA and it's been on E news and TMZ. And you know, we're, we're wild. And the, the, the three of us together, I mean, I'm crazy on my own picture, you know, two more of me. So we have, you know, we call the daddy issues because Dean's a famous dad of six. Obviously his wife is Tori Spelling and Adam uh, has a newborn uh, kid and I'm 27 and I still need my dad was, you know, the joke that we say, because I didn't know what a mortgage was until like, six weeks ago. So it really is just like a different, uh, you know, perspective on parenting and life issues. Cause even if you're not a parent, um, I think we all know what it's like to have parents and, you know, to struggle. So it's really just an open conversation. And we've had on, Oh, like Denise Richards. And we had Perez Hilton on and uh, Lisa Ann, uh, who I love. Um, and we've had a lot of celebrity guests, Scott Bayo, Jay Moore, Russell Peters, so it's been pretty star-studded, and um, <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten some trouble. I mean, literally, it, it it was so cool when it first started, and even now, because when we would do the show, it would literally be all over the news. So that was really uh, cool for me, and that was a new project for me. And we, I couldn't can't believe the attention it's gotten. It's it's really exciting. Well, congratulations! And it seems like there's no topic that you're like that you shy away from, but I, you know, with different changing landscapes, I think in comedy, are there topics that you won't touch? Uh, per, me personally, no. And I think that funny is funny. And I think that if you're going to take a risk and you're going to talk about a taboo topic, it better not be low hanging fruit. I think that what I don't believe in political, political correctness. I believe you should say whatever you want to say, as long as it's funny. And I think as long as you did the work, there's pressure now to really step up the writing. If you're going to take the risk, it better be a good joke is all I'm saying. Yeah. What do you think? Like, what is the line of like, quote unquote, too far? I mean, it sounds so subjective. It is subjective. And I think that it varies for every person, you know, but I'll take the risk to see if the joke works. And if it doesn't work and it upsets people, then you take it out. But I think that it's your job as an artist to try it. It does seem like everything that at least I've watched of yours, that it does inspire conversation. So like you do seem to find a way of like throwing in important topics just in like a, in a small, like offhanded way, like saying like, oh, my brother has this disability and here's what dating is like as a disability with a disability. And like, here's some struggles with coming out. And like, you do seem to like really throw some level of like activism mixed in with your like yeah, I love you. That is so sweet. Thank you. I never really thought of it that way, but thank you very much. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for coming and joining on the podcast. How can people follow what you are doing and catch you on some virtual shows um, in the thank meantime? Thank you so much for having me on. You are adorable and so much fun to chat with. And um, I don't even want to leave. I'm like, can we do three more hours? Um, you're adorable and I love your podcast. And thank you so much for having me on. And if you enjoyed my um, <laughs> my obnoxious ramblings from this last hour, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nikki Paris Bitch, and you can hear my daily horoscopes every single day, uh, 506 PST on radio.com on We Are Channel Q. 
And if you want to follow what I'm doing at Sluts and Scholars, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars, and you can reach me at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Stay safe, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.